This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Part two of this two-part podcast on the new face of private equity in Africa looks at the areas of the economy most ripe for growth and also at some business models that private equity firms are pursuing. With GDP growth in sub-Saharan Africa at 4.4% in 2012 and a third of the countries there growing at more than 6% annually, the amount of foreign direct investment in Africa has been gaining significant momentum. Interest has spread beyond natural resources to consumers with the expanding middle class. The three experts that Knowledge at Wharton spoke with to learn more about private equities landscape in Africa are Michelle Catherine Asame, who is the chief executive of the African Venture Capital Association, Michael Rogers, who is Ernst & Young's global deputy sector leader for private equity, and Steve Samet, who is a senior fellow and lecturer here at Wharton. Uh, could you just give us the full name of the study that you cited uh, there? Yes, the full name is called uh, Harvesting Growth, uh, How Do Private Equity Investors Create Value? Uh, it was a joint study uh, of private equity exits in Africa by Michelle's organization, the Africa Venture Capital Association, and Ernst & Young. Okay, thank you. Mike, uh, could you just uh, elaborate a little bit on your points uh, about and, and uh, tell us which countries are seeing the most activity? And, and interestingly, which ones do you think will be seeing increasing activity over the next two or three years? Well, it's... Uh it's interesting because I think everyone's natural inclination is to migrate towards South Africa, and there's still, still certainly a lot of uh, investment targeted there. I was in uh, Cape Town uh, a month or so back at the Ernst & Young Strategic Growth Forum that we had there, and so we had uh, really entrepreneurs from and, and uh, leading business people from all over the continent, but they came to Cape Town for a conference. And a lot of discussion about South Africa, but Quite honestly, the, the interest levels are rising uh, tremendously in places like Nigeria, Ghana, Kenya, Ethiopia even, and the uh, you know, both East and, and West Africa uh, segments of the market are really attracting more interest. And in fact, uh, we saw what you might imagine, higher returns in some of those markets. And, and in some ways, I think that could be coupled with uh, you know, slightly higher risk that one must absorb in, in some of those economies that are still... Uh, at the uh, front end of, of emergence. But I think that we're going to see much more interest and appetite moving into that part of the continent as opposed to uh, maybe, uh, you know, there'll still be investment in South Africa, but maybe not as much, and, you know, just redirected in some different ways. So we see people really thinking about, you know, where can we can uh, invest uh, from, from a geographic perspective and then, you know, tying it back to the, uh, the sector as well. We, we think that's really... Uh, uh, powerful and at, at this conference that that I was at, the uh, uh, the uh, CEO of uh, GE Africa was at the conference, and and they're making a major push uh, into uh, East and West Africa. In fact, have a, a big por portion of their operations there, and uh, and the CEO of uh, GE Africa resides uh, in in, uh, in that part of Africa as well. So uh, I think it's going to you know the future is going to hold a lot of opportunity for moving into that market. 
Yeah, I totally agree with with what with, with, with Michael and Stephen have said, and I think we're even really seeing it on the GP side. Um, and I like that now we're looking at the continent in its entirety, you know, not sub-Saharan Africa and kind of, you know, cutting off North Africa and, and lopping it with, uh, with, with the Middle East. And it's because, and, and you'll see that with GPs like, you know, Citadel Capital or, or Tune Invest, who are really rebranded themselves as African investors. And I think the same thing um, is, is on the mind of South African GPs who successfully raised and exited companies in South Africa, you know, with kind of the, the, the growth of South Africa changing. You know, there's the onus, and, and Mike, please jump in here, to really think about, you know, how do we intelligently, you know, think, uh, tap into or look for investments on the rest of the continent. You know, how do we partner with somebody locally in that region who has, you know, the knowledge and, and, and contacts, and how do we do that? So I think it's 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 really exciting that investors are really looking at pan African opportunities. That's the first point I was going to make. The second is, if you think of what we're doing in Africa, it's it's growth capital, so primarily equity. You know, little or no debt. Um, you know, typically minority shares, but they build in majority rights. And really the goal is to take a fantastic, uh, you know, domestic or regional company and make it, you know, um, continental. Uh, so I think that, you know, I don't think that uh, GPs necessarily will think about a certain country or region. They're thinking of how they can make a good domestic or regional company a great continental African one. Yeah, and Michelle, I would agree with that completely. And I, in some of the companies that we visit with over there, um, you know, our, my immediate reaction as uh, you know an international business person, principally residing in the U.S., is to think, uh, can you take this platform business and do more with it internationally? And it was very interesting to hear the response from many of the entities. The first thing they're trying to do is take a, you know, maybe a small family business that gets for the first time professional management, professional capital, and, and an opportunity to, uh, to grow and build their business. And the first thing they want to do is solidify their local market by country if they, if they need to do that and, and kind of uh, a gel around a strategy within that local market. And then their next strategy, of course, is to follow, as you just pointed out, the pan-African strategy of um, you know, moving products in and around Africa, which is still limited in many ways by the weak infrastructure that's there. Uh, maybe last on their list is taking their capabilities on a global basis because they really feel like there's so much opportunity, oftentimes within their own country first, and certainly uh, on an African continent basis before they even think about beginning to uh, work more on the international trade side. So I think there's a lot of development on that front end, but clearly people are starting to think about what can I, not only what can I do in my local market, but is this a product or capability or service that is applicable for the rest of, of Africa? Uh, Steve, to the extent you can generalize, um, I, Michelle mentioned that uh, deals in Africa are typic, typically minority stakes with some majority rights. Sounds a bit like the Middle East in a way. Uh, what What is unique about Africa, I, I guess it's different in different countries, of course, hard to generalize, but to the extent you can generalize. Well, it, it is difficult to generalize, but I, I would point out that uh, minority investing uh, uh, in uh, emerging markets is actually fairly typical. Um, uh, in the U.S. and Europe, when we hear private equity, we think leverage buyouts, so we think control positions. Uh, but in the emerging markets, uh, in many instances, the plays are so-called growth equity, 
uh, as opposed to total buyouts, which means there the private equity funds are providing uh, sufficient capital for the expansion of companies. And while they may not be content to not have control, uh, they recognize that the existing owners and entrepreneurs really won't have it any other way. So they, they seek to compensate for that with other provisions in the, in the contract, uh, board seats uh, and the like, uh, reporting requirements. Uh, but it doesn't really concern me that uh, uh, the preponderance of deals uh, in Africa are minority investments. Um, uh, that hasn't been a problem in other markets. It should not be in Africa. Okay. Um there, there is a perception that um, exits can be difficult in Africa. Uh, Michelle, maybe you first. Would you comment on that and, and what the implications might be? Sure. I mean, you know, the, we were always asked, um, is it possible to get, you know, to do an exit in Africa? Have there been any? And I really, uh, I got tired of, you know, not having a, a reason response. So when we had the opportunity to partner with ENY, you know, that was a, really a gift from God. Um, but we have just launched this survey in which we were able to compile, um, as was said earlier, 118, and these are publicly available exits. There may be others that hopefully we'll uncover in future surveys. Um, and I think that there's analysis on 79 of those. You know, we collected the data by interviews face-to-face with the DPs, and it was really, a, you know, a key takeaway is, you know, although this industry is relatively young, there's a lot of uh, professionalism and institutionalism and, uh, you know, strategic thinking, you know, thinking about the exit as entry, um, you know, uh, uh, putting uh, really strong shareholder agreements. I mean, really spending a year with the founders uh, before the investment. So I was just really, really uh, blown away by kind of what we heard back from uh, from meeting with the GPs. Mike, I don't know if you have anything to add. Uh, yeah, sure. And I, I think the uh, it's interesting. About half of the companies, I guess, were were sold to strategic buyers. And and I think that uh, the the next wave possibly might be uh, more of the opportunity flow from from PE buyers to other PE buyers and secondaries because I think as these companies do get um, you know professional management growing in the business and and maybe uh, a little bit improved financial reporting and, and transparency they will become more attractive to the bigger private equity funds and so you see that in the developed markets where you know smaller funds uh, tend to be uh, you know sellers to larger funds and that that ecosystem I think will develop over time it's not quite there yet but I think it bodes well for the future for uh, for exits successful exits uh, in PE uh, in Africa okay I have I have one last question for each of you um, and this uh, could be an interesting one because you each come at it from a, a slightly different point of view how do investors find companies in this region, or how should they go about finding companies? Steve, let me start with you. Oh, all right. I was hoping you wouldn't start with me, but <laughs> um, my my observations, and these are borne out actually in the study, is that uh, the un- unlike m- many other markets where transactions are brokered, that is to say there's an intermediary or an investment bank involved, in the case of Africa, uh, most of the transactions are so-called proprietary. 
uh, and that is to say they are identified and sourced by the private equity funds working uh, through local networks, um, other organizations, uh, building relationships and really getting to know uh, the entrepreneurial community and observing what's going on uh, uh, in, in, uh, in business activity. Uh, the fund that uh, I'm involved with, the Africa Health Fund, which is managed by Abraj, uh, is uh, focused, as the name would suggest, on healthcare. And uh, effectively, all of the opportunities uh, that we have sourced and uh, transactions that we have completed uh, have been proprietary. Uh, it's an enormous amount of extra work, but the good news is uh, that uh, things like valuation uh, stay reasonable uh, and you forge a much closer working relationship with the entrepreneurs, uh, which come, comes back later in a more collaborative relationship. It contributes more to the ESG, the environmental social governance issues. Uh, and uh, uh, by and large, um, I, I think, creates a, a very healthy platform for continued growth. Uh, Michael, uh, can we get your views? And then, Michelle, you'll have the last word. Okay. Yeah, I think that uh, very well said uh, previously here, but what we hear is that you know, folks really have to do a lot of work around uh, it, its relationship building. It's kind of the, the old model of meeting with entrepreneurs and, and family members and, and business contacts, and that bubbles up in the system. And I, I think it, it creates a little bit uh, more, more work you have to do uh, to find the opportunities to uncover them. But when you do and you find the right opportunities, obviously it can be very, very uh, lucrative. And we've talked to a number of the, you know, I'd call it middle market private equity funds there in Africa. And all of them have, you know, a, a different model for sourcing. But at the heart of it, it's, it's much more relationship driven. And it has to do with really uh, finding, un, un, unearthing those opportunities. And we think that, you know, the capital markets, as they continue to evolve, we think there will be more professional intermediaries that, that get involved in, in kind of the, uh, uh, the sourcing and identifying and uh, introducing of, of opportunity flow, but at this point, it's still in its fledgling state. I would, I would argue, and and you know, but it does make you know when you do find the right opportunities, they do tend to be very, very rewarding. Thank you, Michelle. Um, and I, I think what what Michael and Stephen have said is is absolutely right on the money. I, I would echo that. I uh, I feel like Africa, you know, and we're, we're speaking about a, a continent, but it's very, very about relationships. Um, so, you know, now more than ever, you know, uh, it's a competitive advantage for a GP to have boots on the ground um, so you can hear about those deals and stay as long as he, or he needs to to secure something with, you know, a minister or, or someone else. Um, you know, as has been said, you know, there's not kind of a developed intermediary market. So, um, and there's also kind of a lot more focus on, on Africa. I don't think that that's translating into higher entry prices um, or any sort of bubble. I don't. That's not what I hear from my GPs. But I think a real competitive advantage is, you know, where you have um, offices in a number of key regions, so that you're really on the ground, sifting out opportunities. So, it, you know, as has been said, you know, being on the ground, local networks, strong relationships are really going to be a strong, a strong competitive advantage for, for fund managers in Africa. Thank you, everyone. We've been speaking today with Michelle Catherine Asame, who's the chief executive 
of the African Venture Capital Association, Michael Rogers, who is Ernst & Young's Global Deputy Sector Leader for Private Equity, and Steve Samet, who's a Senior Fellow and Lecturer here at Wharton. Listeners can access past podcasts plus additional insights into private equity at our private equity website. And the address is kw.wharton.upenn.edu slash private hyphen equity. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.